Grab a hold of big breakfast flavor at Hardee's. Try two breakfast sliders for just $2.99. Get Applewood smoked bacon or freshly grilled sausage with fluffy eggs and golden melty cheese all on a toasty little bun. Good morning, start at Hardee's. Available now for a limited time at participating restaurants. Tax not included. See ham on the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh, boy, CDP, CDP. Event is in the building, so ready for the weekend. 
that it is. Oh man, let's just let's just start off right. You know, talking about the talking about SEC football today. We're gonna to be talking about UFC 229 stat card, probably one of the best cards you're gonna see this year. Um, let's just, let's 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 go ahead and jump into what we normally do, man. Here before we get into anything else, man, and that's that's uh talk, it's, uh doing the dead of devotion. Um, also, man, wanna uh send out a special special shout out and uh, um my condolences to uh the young um young football player here in the state of Georgia. Um I know you've heard about this a lot. Um young man by the name of uh Dylan Thomas who uh who had a major head injury uh, last Friday night and collapsed on the field, um, and he died last he died last Sunday um, due to the due to the um, to that head injury and um, and um, young man was only 16 years old. His name was Dylan Thomas, and um, he, he was a young man who loved to play the game of football. Um, According to a lot of reports that I've read, and uh, very, very well known, very, very well liked in the school and around the community, and um, this goes out to that young man, and uh, hopefully, um, everybody gets a little peace, a little clarity, especially his parents. I mean, losing someone so young who, who was starting to get into the prime of his prime of his youth, the prime of his life, so. Uh, to have it cut so short um, is very sad. So uh, we're going to dedicate this show to uh, uh, to him and um, stay pirate strong. So um, that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump to the daily devotional. Um, this is actually a good one. This is uh, from uh, from our friends over at In Touch Ministries. Um, it's called preserving your assurance, and the script comes from Ephesians chapter six, verses ten through twenty. Finally, be strong in the Lord and and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which with you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of, of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf 
that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with the boldness of the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I speak boldly as ought to speak. Satan is an enemy of every believer, and his eyes gnaw away at our faith. The Apostle Paul calls his scheme flaming arrows and assures us that this shield of faith is able to extinguish them all. But this devil, but the devil still tries to put doubts about our salvation into our minds, hoping that we'll drop our shield of faith and believe him. However, if we don't understand his methods, we can be vigilant and avoid his traps. Unconfessed sin. Satan attempts us to sin. And if we yield, he whispers, you can't be saved. Look at what you just did. The harassment, the harassment cycle continues until we, are finally, until we finally confess the sin and claim God's promise to those who receive Christ are saved. The ignorance of God's word. If a believer isn't well-grounded scripturally, he can't be fooled by false teaching. For example, it's not uncommon to hear that we can't be certain of redemption or that salvation can be lost. But we have the sword of the Spirit to silence the lies because false doctrines simply do not withstand biblical scrutiny. That's why it's essential to study the word. Reliance on emotion. We rely on feelings and experiences rather than the truth of God's word. The ups and downs of, in our spiritual life may cause us to feel unsaved. However, genuine assurance is built on faith in the Lord and the promises in his word, not on emotions. Hold up your shield of faith. Take the sword, take the sword of God's word and trust him to fight for your battles against the enemy. The Lord is your defense and your protection. Time to hit home, don't it? You know, one of the other things that that I that I kind of took away on this, and it kind of hit me right in the gut. It says reliance on emotion. And I'll repeat that to you. When we rely on feelings and experiences rather than the truth of God's word, the ordinary ups and downs in our spiritual life may cause us to feel unsaved. However, genuine assurance is built on faith in the Lord. And the promises in his word, not on emotions. You know, if you remember that, that uh, remember that old Sunday school song you used to hear when you were five or six years old, the one that they used to want to just have you sing every week? It kind of goes like this. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. That's what that is. Assurance. Yes, Jesus loves me. So the Bible tells me so. That's a little food for thought. We're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're gonna talk some we'll talk some college football. Y'all stay tuned.
Thank you for calling, coming back into the tailgate crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. Just got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of excitement here going on right now. I mean, college football for me is so much fun. And and there's a lot of games today that really makes today very, very, very interesting. Looking at Looking at the schedules, I mean, looks like the early games are going to be better than the late games to me. Um, with the likes of the likes of Texas Oklahoma today, the Red River Shootout. I mean, I I, I, I would be remiss in, in saying that in saying that looking at looking at the schedule for today, I mean. The game that could really just take the, that can take take the cake is Texas Oklahoma. I mean, you're starting to see a little bit of a budding rivalry between the two head coaches. I mean, would I go as far as saying that this is that this is the new Woody and Bo or the new or the new Nick and and Les or the new Urban and Les or new Urban and, and and Nick, not even hardly, not even hardly. But I will say this: you can tell that the intensity is there. You can tell this is going to become that that that's big rivalry again. You know, that, where this is this is going to be talked about for years and years to come. This game has has a lot of has a lot of. Memories that could be made. I mean, we've talked about the, we, you know, we've had the memories with the Belldozer scoring four touchdowns, Quentin Griffin, um, single-handedly putting putting Oklahoma back on the map in 2000, 2001, the Teddy Lehman interception, the Ward Williams flying through the air, you know, on Chris Sims, the upset, you know, with Charlie Strong a couple of years ago. They upset uh, then number three Oklahoma. I mean, so this is a lot of this is a lot of intensity in in this rivalry. You know, and they're only separated, you know, separated by three hundred something miles. But technically, Oklahoma's campus from. From uh, Gaylord Memorial to the Cotton Bowl is actually two miles shorter than the distance between BKR and the Cotton Bowl. So, wonder who's going to bring more fans. There's always a 50-50 split. Game's always in Texas, but you got a lot of Oklahoma alums in Texas. You got a lot of. Texas alums in Oklahoma. I mean, because of jobs and things of that nature. I mean, looking at it from this, from that standpoint. I mean, almost like a neighborhood rivalry. I mean, it's almost like a like a Oklahoma, like a like a Alabama Auburn in a sense. Even though they're 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 not in the same state. It's almost like a Florida Georgia or a West Virginia Pittsburgh, a backyard brawl type deal. This is this is one of those games, man. If you if 
if you love college football, this is one of those games you'll watch in, in the early window. I know Alabama's playing Arkansas in this window. I think this. I think that this is one of those games you're gonna to want to sit down and watch because a I'm gonna put even though I think Texas even though I think Oklahoma will win, I think Texas has a good enough defense if they get at least one maybe two stops, they'll win this ball game. They have to get stops though. That's the one thing about Texas they can do. In the four straight wins, they haven't turned the ball over. They've taken the ball over. But when you look at it from that standpoint, Oklahoma is a ball hawking team. They're not afraid to they're not afraid to go after you. And they will they will win games just by their defense. And Kyle Murray is, is just an absolute star. He's a superstar. We we know this. And it's gonna be and like I said, Texas has the tools. Duvernay, Will Jordan Humphrey, you know, guys like that. Also they got a good run they got a good running back by community there as well. But so does Oklahoma. Oklahoma's got some really good players. Like a like like a CD Lamb, you know, like a Kyler Murray. You know, they'll be missing one of their one of their running backs today due to injury, but they've got the kind of play that can make things happen. They really do. So that's why I say Oklahoma's gonna win this game by at least the, by at least a field goal. But this could be close. This could be closer than people think as well. Just putting it out there. You know, another game that, that's pretty intriguing that that's not you know, that's under the radar a little bit is is the South Carolina Missouri game. We we both know Drew Lott's gonna put up put up points, put up put up yards. We both know that Jay Bentley's going to lead by example with with um, with South Carolina, former Opelika quarterback. Um, so we we look at this game, and this is this is one of those games where I say, where I call this day, wing them out Saturday, because. These two teams are on the cusp of being really, really good. They're missing that one little bitty oomph. You know, Debo Samuel is back for is back for South Carolina, so he gives you that deep threat. You know, South Carolina's putting putting together some really good, really, really good defense. You know, led by Jamias Williams, who Got hurt a little bit yesterday, but he's expected a little bit last week, but he's expected to play this week. It's going to be a very physical game, even though, I mean, it's going to be a physical game from that standpoint because Missouri's going to want to run the ball. They want to establish some runs to set up the pass, set up the deep ball. They've got a great tight end. They've got two receivers that can catch the ball, and they've got they've got they've got a running back who's not afraid to run between the tackles, and got speed to run up run around the edge. So, 
look at we look at this game from that standpoint is what defense is going to give up the least points? What defense is going to get a takeaway at that opportune time? Because not only one of these teams that are really that good at taking away the ball, and we, we all know this and we all see this. We all seen this. A lot of people have given have given South Carolina the they what they call the next the next team up sort of deal where they think that this is the team that's going to be that that heir apparent the rival to Alabama. Hmm. I would love to see that. I, I really would. I would love to love to know where they where they got that lie from. You know, of course, Will Muschamp is doing some really good things recruiting wise, but but to really be the heir apparent and be that next big rival to to Georgia, you're only saying that because, well, let's just be for real. You're only saying that because. Will Muschamp wanted the Georgia job, and they gave it to Kirby. I mean, that's the only real reason why you're saying that. But I like Missouri in this game. The Columbia Cup is what they call this game. You know, both both schools from the city of Columbia, Columbia, South Carolina, Columbia, Maryland, you know, Columbia Cup, you know, kind of makes sense. But, you know, there I digress. You know, another game in this 12 o'clock window that a lot of people will talk about, a really good Maryland team. Even though they're going through the turmoil that they're going through with DJ Durkin, why the hell does he still have a job after everything that's been found out about him and that and that coaching staff? I mean, and that's beyond me. You know, that that's that's like an Urban Meyer situation, and I'm not going to get into that either. So, that being said, yeah, number 15, Michigan at home um, against Maryland. Maryland is a team that's going to put up points. Maryland is a team that's going to give up points too. Shea Patterson is, is starting to hit his stride with this with this Michigan team. He's starting to be very relaxed in 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 the offense, and you can tell by the way that he by the way that he's been just putting himself together with this. I mean, this is this is just a great great matchup for him. I think this is going to be better than a lot of people. Something a lot of, better than a lot of people think, you know. Shea Patterson being at being at Michigan, you know. I think the offense for Michigan suits him a little bit better than the, than the wide open spread offense, and and that's just that's just being that's just being as truthful as I can be about that. I mean, just really think about this when I say this. You know, he he can be pretty improvisational improvisational in a spread offense. But when he's in a structured offense, you can see a lot more of his skill come out. You can see a lot more of his arm talent come out. And I think that's this is probably what he needed more so than a spread offense. That's all, that's probably the reason why he came to why he came to to Michigan as opposed to going anywhere else. I mean he could have went to I mean, he could have went to Miami. He could have went to LSU. He could have went to, uh, you know, the Florida State, which runs a, which runs a similar offense. I mean, he almost went to Florida State, but I but I think he 
like the structured offense and a pro-style offense that can get him to that next level. I mean, he's not really that tall. But at the same time, by him not being that tall, actually works to his advantage. Let's think about that. You got some you got some quarterbacks that are under six foot that have won Super Bowls, i.e. Russell Wilson, i.e. Drew um, Brees. I mean, Phil Sims was an awful quarterback, but he was around that six one mark, and he won he won he won the Super Bowl. So I mean. You kind of put it in that perspective. Hmm. I think I think he may have. I think Shea Patterson may have pulled off one of the smartest moves of anybody by going to somewhere structured to where he can show off the arm talent and not off his his physical abilities. Even though he does get a chance to run this offense with the um, with the read option at times, so. I mean, that being said, I think Michigan's going to win big in this game. I really do. I don't think Maryland can put up the points like they did earlier in the season. I don't think they have the manpower to do it. I don't think they have the defense that can stand up to an offense like Michigan. Michigan's very balanced right now. Michigan is on fire right now. So it's that loss. Early in the season, Michigan has found their stride. They found their they found they found their identity in a sense. And this is a team that does not give up does not give up points, does not give up yards. They're, they're number one against the run. They're number one in total defense. I mean, this is a team, as I said, this Michigan team is a complete team right now. They are that good. They they are that good. Do I think that they're ready for Ohio State? No, they're not at that level as of yet. But we all knew that Michigan was going to get better and better gradually through the year because of the youth and because of the veteran influences that they had. So with that, with, with that, with that in, 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 in tow, you've got a really, really good Michigan team. You know, off week next week, then they play Michigan State. I mean, and then you got then you got that gauntlet of a schedule that you got to play. Still have to go to Penn State. You still you got Penn State. You have, I mean, you got you got you got a gauntlet to go through. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry about that. They have Maryland this week, Wisconsin next week, and then Michigan State, then the off week, and then Penn State. So you look at look at the run in to the to the to their schedule. This is just this is as good as it's gonna get right now. There are no easy games from here on out. Even the Rutgers game looks pretty looks pretty um hard on paper. Indiana, this isn't your mom's Indiana team. You know, even though they aren't as good as as they could have been. You know, injuries have wrecked that team. And they're starting to, and they're starting to, you know, they have a young team as well, you know, recruiting wise. So this is this is one of those, this is one of those Michigan teams 
if they don't let off the gas, they'll win plenty of games. They will. And and it's just they've got that look to them. They've really got that look to them. And I, and I think there's a scary look as well. You know, we we go on, we go on, we look at the look at the three thirty games. You know, there's 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 three great three thirty games that that I would love to talk about. You know, and one includes you know one includes you know Pat ten Pat ten four. You know, Florida State Miami got that. You know, it, it had that marquee matchup ability. You know, coming into the season. You know, with Willie Taggart coming in from Florida State, bringing in that hot chain offense. But really, in all actuality, you know, you're two and two, and you haven't busted a hot grape. I mean, that's the way I look at Florida State. I mean, you get embarrassed at Syracuse. You got embarrassed the, the uh, game before that you won. I mean, you really were embarrassed in that game. You were embarrassing in that game um, against a lesser opponent, but you came out on top. You know, this Miami team, this Miami team's real good. They're real good, but they're in Adidas, so they're going to find some way to screw it up. And sorry sorry to my boy Brett Johnson, you know, who's a big, who's a big um, Miami fan. Been a Miami fan from from day one. I hate to say it, brother, but I I would I would love to pick Miami in in this game, I and mean, I'm going to pick Miami in this game. But Miami down the road, they've got they've got to play they've got to play some really really good teams. You know, they got to play a good Duke team. They got to play a good BC team. They've got to play a sloppily, a sloppy Georgia Tech team who didn't look sloppy last night when they put up 66. I'm just going to put it that way. Virginia Tech, you know, they're good. I mean, but they've kind of fallen by the wayside because of, you know, because of that loss of Old Dominion or, and because of everything that's happened, you know, with, with Old Dominion and, and, and those things. You know, three and one, but it's it's still it's still a big game. I mean, I mean, just just looking at the schedule. I mean, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame. I mean, that's that's the night game that we'll talk about later on. But you know, with Virginia Tech and with everything that's going on. You know they still got you know they still got Miami to play. They still got, um, like I said they still got a good Duke team to play. They still got a good uh, Georgia Tech team to play. And Pitt is always going to be Pitt. Pitt's going to be tough anywhere, everywhere it goes. So we just gotta we just this is just a full out wait and see for Miami. Can Miami go one way or the other? Yes, of course they can. Will they Will they win nine, ten games again this year? They've got the ability to, but can they win nine, ten games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think they've got I think they gotta play within themselves in order for them to to win nine, ten games again. So yeah, that's yet to be seen. So but moving on. The marquee matchup for the three thirty games, you know, we we talk about LSU, we talk about Florida. LSU should be should have one loss on the record. They should be four and one right now. Auburn let off off the gas. They pretty much gushed themselves. And what I mean by just themselves, they pretty much just outgust themselves. You went conservative way too early, and you didn't finish. That that's the bottom line. You didn't finish. You lost the game. Bottom line. Florida team, this Florida team, looking at Florida, looking at Felipe Franks. You know, a lot of people say, you know, why why is he the starter? Why why isn't Emory Jones in there? Why isn't um why isn't there another quarterback? He's a veteran quarterback, he's got a better arm and he's more athletic than people give him credit for. You know Felipe to me coming out of high school, we all knew that he was a solid L S U commit. He was he was an L S U commit from the word go. He was going to go to LSU, and he was going to go play baseball at LSU. That was, he was going to be a baseball football player at LSU. We all knew this. When the coaching change happened, that's when, that's when everything changed. And, and I'm not saying that to be, I'm not saying that, saying this to be, you know, Negative on on Felipe, but his high school actually changed our offense to the LSU offense. So all he knew was the LSU offense coming in. But when it flipped, he flipped, and, and West Miles got fired. He went to Florida instead. He had to learn a whole new offense, learn a whole new, whole new culture, whole new thing. He registered it. Last year, did decent. I mean, he goes six and six as a starter. Well, was it what five and seven, six and six as a starter last year? So this year, you come, you come back and you make some mistakes early under Dan Mullen. But you've righted your ship. And this is one of those things that when you look at a Florida team, it's all about riding ships. It's all about getting things pointed in the right direction. This is a good Florida team. They're a good, deep Florida team. Jim McWayne didn't leave that cover on bear. He just didn't know how to win. And that's what hurt him, and that's why he's – not coaching at Florida right now. And that's just the bottom line. And I don't think that he was really welcome there either. So, you know, with open arms like like they said he was. So I I for one I just think that this is a game, this is a marquee matchup. Joe Burrow and those and those other two Tigers, you know, they had a they had a heat, as Brock Lesnar put it, 
had a horseshoe stuck up their butt. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that in that context. Even though he said something a little bit different. They had a horseshoe stuck up their butt, and they came out with a win at Auburn, which they shouldn't have won. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to leave it alone. Being an Auburn fan, kind of, it kind of still messes with my psyche. But anyway, yet I digress. I like Florida in this game because they're playing at home. But I also like LSU because I like the stability that they have at quarterback for this year. Next year, won't be so much. So, I mean, you have no Lowell no low Narcisse who's transferred out. You have no more, um, I forget his name. Um, he's transferred out. You know, but you still got Miles Brandon who is who's a pretty good quarterback who is still there and is probably going to be better than people think as well. So that's another thing that we need to look at. You know, Miles Brandon is pretty good. So, I mean, you know, I like Florida in this game because I like because they play at home. Do I think that this is, a, this is a closer than everybody else thinks game? Of course. Of course. Both defenses have shown up. Both defenses can show up. Both defenses will play the way that they need to play. And finally, the eight o'clock games. I, I like the, the seven. The, the primetime games. The one game that really sticks out to me is. I mean, this is a pretty good game. I mean, um, the primetime games. Auburn, Mississippi State is, is going to be really good. You know, I think Nick Michelle needs to hit a stride a little bit in order for this Mississippi State team to, to go. Um, Auburn, they look so sloppy right now. Jared Stidham hasn't hit, hasn't been Jared Stidham like um, in, in a sense. I mean, this is this is a this is a team that is set up for greatness. They've got some real good talent. You know, of course, you lose Will Hastings for the year, who has to have a second knee surgery. Um, Eli Stove hasn't played much because of the ACL tear. Um, You know, you're playing a lot of young players. You're playing Matthew Hill early. You're playing uh, Anthony Schwartz, who 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 is probably a lightning rod, probably a revelation to you. Booby Whitlow is, is, you know, you don't want to settle on Booby Whitlow as your starting as your starting running back, but I think you need to. Um, Tam Martin is doing really well. You got five running backs that can that can really give you. They can really give you what you want out of that running back position. And I also think you look at you look at the receiver, look at the receivers. I mean, you got really good receivers. You got some really good. Yeah, like I said you got some really good. You got some real youth, youthful talent. You know, 
Schwartz and Schwartz and Matthew Hill were the two that I was excited about when they when when they both signed. Matthew Hill, who I've seen play probably more probably more than most, um, in a sense, being from the state of Georgia, uh, being a Gwinnett County guy, been watching him since his youth football days. I mean, so I mean he. He's always been this lights out athlete. So, I mean, Auburn's got tools. They just need to put it together. And they haven't put it together yet. And that's and that's the scary part to this is that this is a team that should be undefeated. But turnovers at, at inopportune times. Um I mean I am I'm, I'm serious. Turnovers at inopportune times. Um, penalties at an opportune time. And that's both offensively and defensively. Missed field goals. I mean, some of those missed field goals have been missed snaps, you know, bad snaps, not good enough holds. And then you have a redshirt freshman kicker who is looking like a redshirt freshman kicker, like the moment has has taken has taken him over instead of him going into the moment. Do I like Andres Carson? I do. I think that he's, I think he's got laid talent out of this world. I think the one thing that he needs to do is stay within himself, stay in the kicks, and he'll be just fine. I mean, me being a former kicker, I, I watch him. I watch the look of him kicking the football, and. I can look at three different kicks and I can point out different things that he's done different each time. One set of kicks, he he's longer in the steps. Another one of his another set of kicks, he shortened his steps. You know, he's tweaking and twerking little things that doesn't need to be tweaked and twerked. He just needs to just kick the ball. Open your hips when you need to open your hips. Keep it. Keep your hip. Keep your hips, you know, square toward your target. You'll be just fine. I mean, the guy can get the ball. I mean, he really can. I think he. Like I said, I think he's better than most. So I mean, he, he just gotta just gotta harness himself. And we look at Washington UCLA. You know, UCLA is very useful. Jim Moore left nothing left nothing in the in the in the tank for for um for Coach Kelly. Dorian Thompson Robinson is is a good quarterback and it's just is is very disturbing to me that, you know, he's been thrust into that into that position when he shouldn't have when he shouldn't be. And that that's that's the um, that's the downside of this, and and that's what that's what sucks about that. But I like Washington big though. I'm just gonna put it out there. I'm just gonna go and tell you that now. I like I, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. I mean, if you're looking at at royalty, you're looking at a blue blood in in Notre Dame. You're looking at Virginia Tech. 
who is that next that next tier down. You know, I wouldn't call him a blue blood yet. I mean, I wouldn't call him a blue blood. I mean, you know, when you, when you look at blue bloods of, of, of college football, you look at the Ohio State, you look at the Michigans, you look at the USC's, Notre Dame's, um, Alabama's, you know, those schools. Texas, Oklahoma's, hey, those are blue bloods. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's what we call blue bloods. You know, royalty, you know, in in this. Virginia Tech is that step down. Mm-hmm. Georgia is that step down. You know, they're, they're in that second tier of of really good teams and traditional teams. They're not a, they're not that traditional team that you would just put up there as a name brand. You know, they're, they're just underneath. So, I mean, I love Virginia Tech in this game. I think Virginia Tech they've got the defense that can that can battle with Notre Dame. Notre Dame's gonna give up some points, but they're also gonna they're also good at taking away taking away the ball. They're really good at that. So I mean, I like Notre Dame in, at, at Virginia Tech. I, I like Notre Dame to win this game. And I and I think that this is gonna be a game that if you don't watch them from start to finish, you might wanna you might wanna watch it another day from start to finish. Because this game is going to ebb, it's going to flow. It's going to be physical. It's going to be really, 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 really good. And and I'm excited for this game. I'm excited to see Virginia Tech. I'm excited to see that fan that that fan base go crazy. I'm excited to see what. What what Notre Dame team is going to come out? Is it going to be that Notre Dame team that that looked really awful against Ball State? It's going to be that good that good team that we saw a couple of weeks ago, you know, down down in in uh in Tallahassee. I mean, so you know that that's those are those are questions that that, that need to be asked, and they will be asked. I, I think I think you you will see the real. Notre Dame stand up because, again, as I said, this is wean them out Saturday. And this is one of those times where, you know, you get that number six ranking, it's time you live up to it. And then the late night games, I mean, I love the late night games. Um, one game in particular, I think I'm, I think I'm going to, I'm going to end up watching a, a lot of, or watching is, uh, Washington State and Oregon State. I mean, Oregon State isn't isn't as good as as they as they are. They're one and fourteen. They're one and fourteen. That's that's in turmoil. But I love to watch Oregon State play because. They do things the they they do things the right way. They fight. I mean, they fight from from beginning to end. They fight 
And I think new coach Jonathan Smith, former former Oregon State quarterback, you know, a guy who's won a Fiesta Bowl for him, a guy who's won who's won a Pac-10 championship for them. I mean, this like I said, this is this is a good coach. This is this is a coach, you know, offense coordinator at Washington, offense coordinator at at um at Baylor. No, I'm sorry, Boise State. I mean, so this guy's been around. You know, as a coordinator, in and around the big, the, the Pac-12 and, and and the Mountain West, he's a good coach. And I think one of the things that he said was, "Why not win here?" And I think when you look at when you look at at the, at the resume that you had, you look at the. Um, the number of great players that you had at, at this at this program, you know, Jonathan Smith, you know, Jonathan Smith himself. You've had um I mean you've had T J Hushmanzala, you've had Chad Johnson, you've had the Rogers the Rogers brothers, you know, there. I mean you've had so many different players there at Oregon State, I mean that that have won games. You know, so and you got you got some good players. So, I mean, that being said, I mean, top to bottom in this 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 football schedule is really really good, and and, and it's only going to get better the next week. But I think this this weekend's group of games is, is really good. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and take a quick station break. Be right back. We're going to talk UFC. Y'all stay tuned. So 
girl, I'ma roll with ya. Said lately been dissing all on my own business. But girl, believe me, I swear I'm done with these old, you know. Well, damn, but maybe not. For life, cause then again, there's gotta be a reason. I get jealous when you mention friends. Well, picture perfect, baby, let's pretend. That this is now and now it's really then. Now when again I go. Searching for you, so can't you see the fire? Robin steady burning for you to make it clear that I got more than a yearning for you. I'm just so when you see me as someone that's perfect for you. Say, Am I worth it for you? And when I find you, I'll be the first to remind you that what we live in is timeless. And by the time we were winding, I swear, start to see that it's one hell of a life. And we finished on it off with one hell of a night. You're the one I can't seem to find But look up, you can see me now among the sky On the horizon and searching for you among the highs You got me feeling like I'm always running out of time Or maybe out my mind, playing my part again If life again, will you shuffling up my cards again Reading your signs so I'm finna follow my heart again Rolling through traffic like I've been passing the cards you in You got me looking back It's like you're moving away in back of my I'm staying focused and trying to send you my So for the future, what's my sense of being? And I can promise you only getting the best of mine You got what's worthy of really putting the rest aside The inner beauty that's our woman is best to find The funny thing is that girl, you something I'm best to find Crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. Yeah, special shout out to the Hype Magazine, Vert Music 96.2, Internet Radio, Desert Storm Radio, College Underground Radio, and also to Clearwater Vodka. Man, I haven't had the vodka yet, but I've heard some great things about it. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be drinking some of that soon. Shout out to Clearwater Vodka. Uh, also, shout out to CC Vance and Diamu Natural Hair Products. You can go visit her at her website at imu. That's two u's dot com. So, uh, that being said, thank you for coming back into the press box with me. And now we're gonna talk some UFC. UFC two twenty nine is upon us. Uh, very excited about this card. Um, very stacked card. Uh, some great, great. Matchups on this card. Um, then you got some some crossroads fights for some for some guys, and you also got some got some uh, 
got some some positioning for championships and in, in other in other uh in other fights. So very excited, very very excited about this card. Uh, Habib uh, Megadolf against Conor McGregor. You know, Habib, Habib, you know, wanted this fight. We all know about the about the um, controversy that happened um, back in New York City, um, where Conor McGregor threw a uh, threw a guardrail into the bus, uh, shattering the glass, and um, cutting a couple a couple of, of fighters. Uh, namely, namely um, Rose Namajunas, who is the uh, 125 women's flyweight champion. Um, so, um, I'm sorry, strawweight champion. Um, so, he's been, and she has not been uh, the same person since, um, from what, from reports that I've read and everything. So, um, best wishes to to Rose, the thug. <laughs> The thug that she that she uh, the nickname is and um, best wishes, um, but very very stacked card. Like I said, top to bottom, um, from the early prelims uh, with LaFair LaFlair and and um, and Martin all the way up to the main event, which is uh, Habib and, and Connor. Um, but you know, there's a couple of fights that that. I, that you know, with the preliminary card, I think all four of those fights are going to be very, very good. Um, with the uh, with the preliminary uh, main event on the preliminary card being uh, Sergio Pettis and Jusef Formiga, uh, both of these guys are 125ers, um, flyweights who are looking to um, assert themselves as as that next guy up for. The new champion, um, for the new champion. So um, we're really, really excited to see this fight. Sergio Pettis been on a roll here lately um, since his last loss. I think he's won like three in a row, or something like that, two or three in a row um, since that loss. And he is just, he is just really just being the guy. Um, that we all knew that he could be. And he's won three of his last four fights, I'm sorry. Uh he lost to the new champion here in Cejudo. Um, um a couple of fights a couple of fights ago. Um but he um got a big win over Joseph Benavides, which was very surprising to me um from that standpoint because I I just, I look at Sergio Pettis as a guy who like his brother Anthony, can be very, very good, very, very great. He does things a little bit different from what from what uh, from what Showtime does, but he's got the kind of skill as a stand up fighter that can make you that can make you he can embarrass you at times with his speed. And I loved I loved that I loved his fight, I loved the way he fights. Um, yeah, good takedown defense. He can take down, um, can take down um, guys pretty well as, as well. Um, but this is not this is not the best. I, I don't think by far this this could be that could be one of the best fights on the card. Uh, I think the winner gets here in Cejudo, um, no matter what. 
Uh, we well, we all know that Mighty Mouse is going to be out for a little while. Uh, did tear that LCL um, during that fight. So during that title fight, so uh, no, he's not going to be. He, he's going to be back. Uh, he wants. He's shooting for for a uh, springtime um, return. Um, but I, I I really think that that this is. This is a good matchup for for Sergio Pettis because he's gonna get his gonna get his chin tested. Because UCF from Asia can can hit you real hard. He's also a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt who can who can really really submit you. I mean, so with with those two guys, I mean, they can stand up and they can stand up and fight. Pettis is a guy who can, who can go to the ground and fight. I mean, he's got very under underrated jujitsu skills. Um, he's also um, thinking if he submits, if he submits Formiga tonight, um, he will get his black belt. So this could be very, very, very interesting fight. Whether he goes for, whether he goes for a submission or whether he just goes and just try to beat the guy to death. You know, it's gonna be a fun night. As I said, it's gonna be a fun, fun fight to watch. Um, another card, another fight on this card that I just think that it could be just just absolutely lights out, and that's on the preliminary card as well. Ashman Ladd, um, who who six and zero, one and zero in the UFC, um, top ten fighter at one thirty five. Uh, Tanya Evinger, veteran in the sport, very respected. I think that this could be one of those fights where you put them in a the phone booth and they will go at they will go at each other. Ashton Ladd has very big hands. She can submit you, she can beat you up. <laughs> I mean she has a very good rear naked choke, but she's also got some great hands. She's got power in both hands, but she does rely on that on that um on that right hook a lot. She does throw a big overhand right hook, a, a big overhand right as well. So um, that's one of the things that we need to look at. And she's a top ten fighter. Um, I heard that she did struggle a little bit to make weight. Um, so this may be her swan song at thirty five. She may go up to forty five. Um, but looking at the way that looking at the way that she that she looked last night in in her weigh in. I, I think she may. I think she looked pretty comfortable making that weight. So I mean, I don't know where that where that distinction came from that she struggled making weight. It was just kind of it's kind of um, kind of weird, you know. But Ashton Ladd, like I said, young up and coming fighter, uh, veteran in the sport, knows her knows her job, knows what she needs to do. Play Avenger, you know. Former Invita champion, you know, has fought the best of the best, fought many organizations. This is a woman who just she isn't afraid to to fight anybody. She isn't afraid to to stick her face in, in, in stick her hands in anybody's face or stick her hand in the cookie jar. You know, she's gonna be one of those women that's gonna stay in the pocket and she's gonna throw kicks. She's gonna throw she's gonna throw big hands. I mean, this is a woman. Like I said, she's got. She's got it. She's always had it, you know. So, um, do I do I want to predict any of these fights? I'm only gonna predict. Um, I'm only gonna predict one of these fights. You know, to be honest with you, because 
all these fights can go both ways. Um, and looking at the weigh-ins and everything, looking at the way that um, that a lot of these fighters look um, in the face-offs, you can just tell some of these fighters, they're so relaxed, they just want them, they're, they're ready to go. They know that they're on a very stacked card. They know that they're <laughs> they know they're on a stack card. And they know that they're that they are they are um, gonna get paid. Let's <laughs> put it that way. Um, most most numbers are probably gonna be shattered. Um, we know Conor McGregor has four of the five biggest fights <laughs> on pay per view ever. Um, UFC fights ever. Um, also know that um, Conor McGregor may make about four and a half to anywhere between seven and a half and ten million dollars just on the fight alone. Does not include what he may get from from pay per view buys. Does not um, and bonuses. I mean, so. This is this is wow. This is big time for for these for these guys in the stars. You know, um but getting back to that, I mean the the the, the women's fights on this card, you know, Landsberg and Tunisia, you know, Landsberg coming off a loss to two Ashton lads, uh, that's gonna be on the early preliminary card. Um on the early prelims, uh that's gonna be on Fight Pass. Um She's gonna face a, a, a virtual newcomer in Kuni Sky, who uh, a very tall fighter. Um, I think that you know she she's got the kind of kind of legs, kind of um, kind of body that that could put on the extra ten pounds and go up to forty five, and I think she'll be even better at forty five. But Yana um, um very good. Um, Take down the fence. Um, she does. She does defend the takedown pretty well. Um, and watching her, watching some of her fights, um, she can land punches. Um, she does land punches and bunches, and she does know how to how, know how to measure distance, come in and out. She goes in and out of the pocket very well. Um, she uses the angles very well. So. This is just one of those one of those fights that you that you can again put them in the, put them in the phone booth. Yes, that's what you're gonna see. Great Manor, Nick Lance. Um, this is a crossroads fight for both of them. You know what I what I said that this they lose or leave UFC type deal. I would say I wouldn't say I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but. It is very possible that it could be one of those things where this could be loser leaves the UFC, um, and I say that because this is this is these are two fighters that both coming off injuries. Gray Maynard, you have not um, heard much from since since the loss that he had against um, since his last loss. I mean, you know, two and two in his last fight, last double fights. Um, you know, four straight losses at one point. You know, where you lost to Frankie Edgar, and then you beat Clay Clay Guida, 
And then you lost to T.J. Grant, you lost to Nate Diaz, you lost to Ross Pearson, Alexander Vakulev. I mean, and then you, you reeled off two wins in the last three, but, but I mean, your, your, a lot of your best work was against a guy like Frankie Edgar. And, um, and I think that, you know, you, you read off a lot of, a lot of great fights, you know, um, but when that lost the great, when that lost to Frankie Edgar, um, I think it kind of put his momentum on on the side a little bit, and uh, you know, with four straight losses, I mean, I think another loss here probably probably marked the end of his UFC career. You know, uh, and, and I hate to say that because you look at Gray Maynard, you look at what he's brought to the UFC. You know, in total, you know, you're almost you know he's 39 years old now. You know, and and what he did against Frankie Edgar was was nothing short of amazing, you know, knocking him down, you know, beating him beating him the way that he did, you know, and then, you know, the guy that we're gonna see on the next card, you know, um, on next month's card, you know, Brian Ortega knocked you out, you know, he did things that that the great man that couldn't do to him, so. You know, great man at Nick Lentz, this is this is one of those loser leaves USC type deals. You know, Nick Lentz, you know, injured but can fight, will fight great. Uh, he fights great, and you can tell he has a lot of fun when he fights. You know, you can't can't go wrong with that, and he's gonna be an all action guy. You know, so I said I love I will I love I'm gonna love watching that fight. But again, you know, Scott Holtzman, you know, Alan Patrick. I mean, two young fight, two two fighters who who are been in in the UFC for a while now. You know, and starting to make their strides. You know, um, Alan Patrick being an ultimate fighter, so is Scott Holtzman. You know, Scott Holtzman won championships in other other organizations. But the one, the one fight that, that I love, that I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, Vincent Luque and Jalen Turner. You know, Jalen Turner is one of those guys who, the 170 pound guy, who could go up to, to could go up to 85 easily. He has the, is a big 170 pound guy. You know, even though he looks real skinny. He has that 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 look of like a young Anderson Silva type look, but he, you know, being skin and bones, I think he can put on the weight to go up to eighty five. I think he can withstand eighty five. I think he can. He has that kind of punching power that can that can win at eighty five. Um, but this is this is a good fight for him. Uh, Vincent Luque likes to stand up, likes to bang. Um, Jalen Turner likes to stand up, likes to bang. Watch the head kicks from from Jalen Turner. He does throw beautiful head kicks. Uh, does those beautiful kicks to the body. Can take you down if he needs to. Can defend the takedown really well as well. Seeing this guy fight, know what he can do. Very, 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 
detail oriented in the way that he plans for a fight. You can and you can tell in the way that he plans for a fight. You're gonna see you're gonna see you're gonna see this kid do very well in the UFC. Now on to the main card and you know, a lot of people think that the main event will, will take will take the will take the night with the fight of the night. But this this fight here, Bleach Herrick, Shell Watterson, Little Bulldog, Karate Hottie. I look at this fight and I see two women who are on the cusp of being champions when given the right opportunity. Will this be Michelle Watterson's swan song at 15? There's been a lot of talk of her going up to 25. There's been a lot of talk of Felice Herrick going up to 25. Felice Herrick, you know, struggled to make weight the last fight out uh, with her loss to uh, Carolina Kowalkovich. You know, they said she struggled to make weight. This time, the weight wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't an issue. She weighed in at 115 and a half. Michelle Watterson weighed in at 115. Um, so, when you look at when you look at both of these fighters, Michelle Watterson has that has that ability to be very very dangerous. She's a precision puncher. They both like to wrestle. They both like to land punches. They both like to stand up and, and hit you. They're both Muay Thai black belts. They're both very good with the tie. They both can they both can wrestle, but I think Felice Herrick has the, has the advantage the wrestling wise. But you're gonna see some things that that you haven't seen from two fighters yet. And with Felice Herrick, you're gonna see Felice um, try to control the distance. She's got the she's got the longer reach. Um, but even though she's got the long reach, Michelle Watterson likes to throw kicks. She likes to get in with her kicks, and and then she has great takedowns. Uh, so this is one of those one of those fights where if they're not in the phone booth, you're gonna see them down on the ground because Watterson can't. Watterson can can submit you. Um, Felice is one of those one of those women who will wear you down. Um, but. She's lost a tough decision to to uh, Kevin Kowalkovich, as I, as I stated. I mean, it was a tough decision. I mean, I wouldn't want to be the judge of that fight, and that's how that's how good that fight was. Um, this fight, again, this, this fight can be better than than people think, and this could be the one that takes the card, that takes the whole card. And and I'm very excited for this fight. As I'm excited about this whole card, you know, lights out card. Um, moving forward, I mean, I look at again, I look at Derek Lewis, Alexander Volkov. This is this is a fight that that could possibly mean a title fight for Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, Houston, Texas. I mean, he's on the road. He's on the road right now that that I haven't seen. From a heavyweight fighter in a long time. I mean, he's knocking people out. He is beating people up. Um, and it'd be very interesting to see what he does with the winner of Daniel Cormier. Um, 
Brock Lesnar. I mean, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Will he be that next guy up? Will he, will he be that next guy? That that's that's the question, you know. And hopefully, hopefully you see that. Hopefully you see you will see them fight. Alexander Volkov, very tall fighter, very rangy fighter. You give him you give him space, he hurts you, he punishes you, and he's got really good submissions as well. You know you don't see them. You really don't see any of his submissions that much. Because he's always standing up and knocking people out. He's got a very underrated uh, ground game too. Derek Lewis can ground you and pound you. Um, we have not seen him on the ground as much, but from what I'm understanding, he's got a pretty good ground game as well. Um, not as deep as, as anybody else. Not as deep as 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 most, but he can hold his own. Um, Better than most as well. So, I'm um, I'm looking at this fight as whoever lands the big shot probably gonna put the other to sleep. And Derek Lewis got an amazing chin. I mean, he took a rock shot shot from <laughs> from um, I can't remember. It was his last fight out. He took a shot. I swear. Anybody else probably would have went to sleep. He looked at the guy and just took it and then knocked him out after that. So, I mean, Derek Lewis is a beast. I mean, he lives up to his nickname, and and that's what he does. Um, moving on. Over in St. Prue and, and Dominic Reyes. Over in St. Prue uh, has fought for the championship before at 205. Um, injuries have derailed him. Um, I think he's got the type of he's got the type of pedigree. Uh, being from Tennessee, being a former Tennessee Vol volunteer football player. Um, also watching him fighting in in, um, in person before in Griffin, Georgia. Watching him fight is like watching like watching a young Anderson Silva mix with a young Quentin Jackson. And this is a guy who. Who, if he puts it all together, he's gonna be unbe—he can be unbeatable. And he has never been able to put it together, and you know, injuries and things of that nature. You know, they—they they stunt the growth, and and that's the unfortunate part. And that's that's what you see out of guys like like the Gray Maynards of the world. I'm sorry, like the Gray Maynards and the um, I mean. I even I, even I said the Dominic Cruz's of the world. I mean, seeing Dominic Cruz come back and win championships, you see him win fights. You know, yes, that's all well and good, but injuries on top of injuries. Gilbert Melendez, you know, injuries on top of injuries, and then the drug suspension. You know, with that as well. I mean, it's just so many different things and so many different. Um, so many different, you know, circumstances that these fighters go through and you know, they put themselves through a lot, even through training and even through fighting. I mean, they get injured more training than they do fighting and that's and that's the sad part about the whole situ- about this whole situation. Is that a lot of these things happen not during a fight but during 
during training sessions. Um, the concussions, the broken bones, you know, things of that nature. I mean, all of this stuff happens happens in training. And so, you know, and these guys live from fight to fight, paycheck to paycheck, just like we do. So, you know, and then, you know, they got the sponsorship to, you know, with the UFC, which doesn't make any sense, you know, because some of these other guys, you know, they, 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 you know, they rely on other things to get them through. So, but um, then I digress. You know, I like Elvin St. I really do. Uh, Dominic Reyes is a guy I've seen him fight a couple times before. He's very stiff, but with him being stiff, he's also very strong. Um, he can he can take you down. He can defend the takedown. Over St. Peru is, is a bit of a he's a bit lazy on the takedown defense, but he can he can stop the takedown. So that that in itself you know makes this a, makes this a, a interesting fight, but. You know, we talk about you know Michelle Waterson and Felice Harry can possibly take can possibly take the cake as being the fight of the night. You know, you've got, I mean, like I said you've got the possibility of having three fight of the nights on this card. Uh, four, if if you mean if you want to add in um, Pettis and Formiga, um, but well, five if you want to add in you know Pettis and Formiga as well as the main event, Tony Ferguson. Interim lightweight champion. Um, you know, injuries have derailed him the last couple of times. Cause this should have been a fight with him and and Habib to determine the undisputed champion. But in all actuality, you have three champions in this division. You, know, you got Habib, who who was elevated to champion. You got Tony Ferguson, who was an interim champion who was stripped of his championship. And then you have Anthony Pettis, who's been a champion in multiple weight classes, notably 155. And this is, this is a matchup of two former champions. Anthony Pettis has that pedigree. His last fight out, he looked so good his last fight out, and he went back to the basics. And that's the thing with Anthony Pettis. He went back to the basics. He went back to what got him to the dance, which is using the distance and using his ground game. He stopped relying on his ground game, and that's what hurt him. You know, now you're starting to see Anthony get back to being Anthony Pettis, that Anthony Pettis of old, being that dangerous Anthony Pettis, being that guy who just did things just to be doing them. That's the kind of Anthony Pettis that we want to see in this fight against Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson can, can lay you out with one punch. He can also submit you. He can also do things to you that you have never seen before. I mean, he can put his toe on your on. He can put his left toe on your right ear. <laughs> on your left, he can put his left toe on your left ear. I mean, he'll do it so quick that you wouldn't even know what's going on. So. <clears throat> You 
So, I mean, this, these are two guys, very unpredictable. Does this mean it's going to be a boring fight? No, exactly, absolutely not. But the fight that, that a lot of people are talking about is this fight because this could be a fight where things just just happen, you know, where good fights can be great fights, where legends are born again. And also this could be audition piece for the next fighter, for this fighter to go to Bellator, you know, and fight <laughs> and fight um, Benson Henderson, who is on the shelf right now, um, new child, and then also had also had some uh, some surgery. So I mean, or so they say. I don't know. Um, I wish they would, you know, just release from his contract so he can come back to the UFC. But yeah, I digress again. And we're talking about the main event. Wow. Literally, this is a champion versus champion type matchup. I don't care what anybody says. Conor McGregor hasn't lost to anybody. You know, he took that fight against he took that fight against Floyd Mayweather, um, and made a great account of himself. Um, the other thing that that he did was he took some time off for him. You know, just uh, some time off. though to have knee surgery. Um, after that fight, also had time to just relax, you know, come back and be a more focused guy. And it's just like he said before, you know, just because you don't see me fighting doesn't mean I'm not I'm not constantly learning. I'm not constantly doing anything in a gym. And I, I find that to be. I find that to make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think one of the other things that makes a lot of sense to me is Conor McGregor has a a four-inch reach advantage over Habib. Habib, what he needs to do is is very simple. He has to rough up Conor. That's the only way he's going to win this fight. Because if you try to close, if if you keep, if Connor keeps you at distance, he puts you on the end on the end of his punches. He puts you on the end of his kick. He's gonna put you to sleep. Okay. What Habib needs to do, he needs to cut down. He needs to cut down the angle. He needs to uh, take away the take away the uh, the reach advantage of Conor McGregor. And that's by forcing himself inside, and that's by um, shooting for takedowns, but Conor McGregor is also very well versed on the ground, and because you haven't seen him submit anybody in the UFC, I've seen him submit a, a guy by rear naked choke. I've seen I've seen him submit a guy by rear naked choke, but he is very good. I mean, he's he's better than people think on the ground. I mean, he does not look lost when he when he's on the ground, and that's the thing that scares everybody. Is that when you're not when you're when you're not known to be well versed on the ground, but you can show that part of your game at times, 
that makes you even that makes you even more scarier fighter than people think. And that's the one thing that a lot of people don't understand about Conor McGregor is that he is who he says he is. He's not afraid. He's not afraid to put himself out there, and he's won the psychological warfare already. I mean, just by looking, by looking at the demeanors, especially in that face-off the other day, um, and then what he said, and then what Habib said in in the um, in the public workouts. I mean, since he's gonna he's gonna make the Irish people proud. You know, you're talking about Conor McGregor's grandfather, and Conor McGregor has said that he is, yeah, he is, he is of English descent. His grandfather is from England. Um, his maternal, his uh, paternal grandfather is from England, but he's Irish, mm-hmm. born and raised in Dublin. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, both his parents are Irish. His father, I mean. You know, his father's half Irish, half English. You know, so it's not like he it's not like he isn't isn't afraid of what of what he does. I mean, it's just afraid of who he is. That's what he is. He's Irish. He's 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 the Irish person. The Irish fan. Habib just made himself look stupid. You know, and then Looking at the way that he that he talks, you know, the way that he was reacting during that stare down, where Connor just said, "No, let's get closer. Let's get closer." He looked at his eyes. He looked at his face. Saw Habib was blue lipped, which means Habib was throwing his lip in, sucking on his bottom lip, and turned blue. Which is a sign of, which is a sign of of nervousness, restraint, psychological warfare. And then last night during the ceremonial weigh-in, where you saw we kind of kind of show his his superiority by holding his hand out there. Like that was gonna feel like that was gonna fear put fear into the heart of of McGregor. It didn't. McGregor got close to touching him, touched him. So I mean, for me, Conor McGregor's already won the first part of this fight, which is the psychological warfare. The other thing he needs to do is physically win the fight. He keeps. Habib on the edge of his, on the end of his punches, and he throws bombs. He's gonna win this fight. He's gonna knock Habib out. He's already predicting a, a, a vicious knockout. That's what he wants. You know, um, he's already fishing for for that knockout. He wants to get that knockout early. I think he can't get that knockout early. Do I think it's gonna be a first round knockout? I think he, I think he's gonna want to punish him for that first round. I think I think McGregor's gonna knock him out in the second round. Uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a quick stoppage, second round stoppage. Um, I think Conor McGregor will win this fight. I, I really do. Um, I don't think Habib knows what he's gotten himself into. You know, when you 
when you subjected yourself to what you subjected yourself to, especially with the with the uh, with the warfare that you that you said the the Roman warfare that you that you put yourself through, where you where you basically made yourself look stupid when you walked off and not wait on not wait on conferences. I don't wait for anybody. I don't do this. I don't do that. But obviously, you do wait for somebody because once that guy comes into the comes into the octagon. Yeah, I hope that you. I hope that you take if you get your weeks because you're gonna need them. So I'm definitely gonna, definitely gonna side with Conor on this one. I, I, like I said, I just think that Conor McGregor, since that fight with, with Nate Diaz, I just think that he's just so much, he's just so much better than what he was. You know, and and it makes it makes. It makes for good, good, good TV, in a sense, and and, and I say that because, <laughs> and I say that because I mean that's what it is. I mean it's good TV. It's good. It's good laugh. I mean, do I think that everything was a work in regards to to what happened in the bus incident where he threw it and then you saw him running? You see there was a camera light just strategically there. I mean. It almost was if it was almost as if they took a, a storyline out of, out of out of the WWE and just did it that way, you know. But that's just me. I mean, that's that's what I'm leading into. But I hope I be brings as much fail because he's gonna need it, and um, and I hope he has a great ten. He hasn't been tested. He's gonna need it. So those are my thoughts on 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 the UFC 229. Um, I'll go more in depth on this uh, later on tonight uh, with my man, with my boy, Camera Card, uh, Little Red. Shout out to Camera Card. Shout out to his brother Eric and, and the whole family um, over there. Um, we're going to take a quick session break. We're going to come back. We're going to put a bow on this. Y'all stay tuned. Bye. 
Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. So excited to be back on the, on, on the air with you guys and talking talking about things I love to talk about. Um, and um, like I said, man, big shout-out to to uh, the Pike County football team. Uh, also, special thanks to, um, to Monica Brewer, um, and uh, everybody down in, in the city of Columbus, Georgia, uh, for supporting us and uh, and us supporting them. You know that's the way. We, that's what we need to do. We need to we need to trash each other's backs and everything. Uh, shout out to Marquise Wineglass, uh, Ray Baker Underground Sounds. Um, also, special shout out to uh, <clears throat> to my boys, uh, to our coach Tanner Glisson of the True Pie Tigers. Undefeated, number three in the state. Uh, got a big matchup next week uh, against them against some Crosstown boys and uh, Lagrange High School. Um, good luck to you guys next week. I'll be there. I'm so ready to I'm so ready to see that game. Um, I don't know what to do with myself. So um, just excited. Uh, also, special thanks to uh, the admin Wendy, the CEO. Uh, T-Rex, um, and also to um, Casey Cordier, DJ EA, um, you know, homeboy, homeboy Savo, you know, everybody, everybody that's involved with the Drive by Tennis Network. Um, thank you very much. Clearwater Vodka, Dead um, Storm Radio, um, also special shout out to Clearwater Vodka again, Hype Magazine. Uh, Burt Music 96.2, uh, Cars Underground Radio, and um, and the CC Vets. Um, check her out. I am you, Natural Hair Products. 
um, go to go to our website. That's imus2us.com. Uh, we're gonna get up out of here, man. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Very excited about about uh, tonight, uh, UFC tonight. Very excited about about the football games tonight, about the football games to all all across the day. Um, so everybody be safe. And uh, also a special shout out to uh, my man Connor Cassidy. Yo, man, we all got dreams. Y'all be easy. Let's go tailgating. Yeah, I feel you're someone that's not only concerned with what's happening right now, but with your legacy as well. Um, what is the legacy that you're looking to leave behind? That I changed the world and I have fun doing it.
it rolling cause we all got dreams Keep it rolling cause we all got dreams I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams Keep it rolling cause we all got dreams I'ma use these two hands to create my dreams And be in the field with the people I'm out of Caesar Delegate through my actions Let my life do the preaching You gotta mold the clay before you be Ali Cash is the root of the evil around me I mean what I'm speaking Call the truth and you call it deep Reach your mind with the power Moses used to open the sea, nigga See, nigga Understand, there's a God who's sitting above you Making a note of every time you struggle But never forget An ending is nothing without the plot leading up to it He brought you to it He gon' lead you through Know that it's real And my faith is a trophy I have to prove it See I was born a king Who just grew accustomed to losing But I learned the only way to stand out Is to be outstanding So demand your greatness Despite of what the demand is Dream Dream Grab a hold of Big Breakfast Flavor at Hardee's. Try two breakfast sliders for just $2.99. Get Applewood smoked bacon or freshly grilled sausage with fluffy eggs and golden melty cheese all on a toasty little bun. Good morning, start at Hardee's. Available now for a limited time at participating restaurants. Tax not included.